Where is your heart calling you? What feels good for you? You know, there are a lot of different workers in the world. I'm the type of worker where I have to love my work in order to be good at it. So if you put me in a job where I didn't love what I was doing or didn't feel like I could have a contribution to make, I probably wouldn't be good at it. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Okay, so the first question is, what will you say are three words that represent you? I would say empathetic, compassionate, and curious. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Would you like to tell us about what you do? Sure. My professional field is healthcare. Uh, I spent almost 20 years working at different types of organizations, but mostly safety net hospitals in New York City in the United States. So safety net hospitals means hospitals that will serve anybody regardless of their ability to pay, regardless of what type of insurance they have, if they have insurance, um, regardless of their immigration status. Um, you know, the healthcare system in the United States is not like it is in other um, countries. Not, not everybody is guaranteed um, healthcare or health insurance. You're guaranteed emergency care, but you're not you know, not everybody has access to the full spectrum of what we know people need to, to stay healthy. So I chose to work at Safety Net Hospitals because they served um, such an important population to me, um, people that come from low resource settings, people that have vulnerabilities um, due to limited food access or uh, unstable housing or, um, you know, a lot of different unmet social needs. And so I chose to work at those hospitals and, and worked in a variety of different roles, um, worked at an adolescent health center uh, that was a community health center that served um, just uh, children aged 10 to 21, completely confidentially, um, regardless of ability to pay. There were medical and mental health services. So I worked there for a few years. Um, I worked at Maimonides Medical Center, another safety net hospital in Brooklyn, New York, in the United States. Um, serve, you know, provides all types of care from emergency to primary care to also um, cancer care and cardiovascular care, orthopedic care um, across the spectrum. And then I also worked at Health and Hospitals in New York City, which was, which is um, the nation's largest public hospital system. So publicly funded, serves anyone. Um, those, you know, I've also worked in child health advocacy. Um, so that's that's the work that I've been doing, really supporting. Um, institutions' ability to to best serve the healthcare and social care needs of um, people in the U.S. Wow! Thank you so much. It's incredible that love do you have for healthcare as a right for everyone. Yes. So, how did you find out that this was your true passion? Um. Well, I didn't I didn't know, actually. So after I graduated college, I moved to Washington, D.C., and I sort of knew I wanted to work at a nonprofit organization. I knew that's where my heart was. So, you know, throughout the questions you ask me, I will I will often say that I just followed what felt right. I followed my heart. I followed what felt good. And I knew that um, uh, there there are a lot of great things 
that um, there are great opportunities in the United States, but there are also a lot of injustices and inequities in this country. And that's sort of where my education and my mind had focused. I, I grew up very lucky. I uh, had a lot of luck in my life and a lot of comfort in my life. And I felt it would be a waste um, given how hard my parents worked uh, after they came to, to this country from India, uh, if I didn't choose a career that was in service to other people. And so after college, I moved to Washington, D.C., and I just started sending my resume out to a lot of different nonprofits. In And I kind of narrowed it down to where I saw the most injustice and inequity, which was healthcare and education. So I just started sending my resume out to a number of different um, nonprofit organizations that worked in domestic health, global health, and domestic education. And, um, you know, the job opportunity and the offer that I got was at a child advocacy um, organization in the health policy division. So that kind of launched my career in, in health. I learned about um, public health insurance programs. I learned about immunization um, initiatives and um, all of the different programs and ways to better serve children uh, that come from low resource settings. Excellent. Thank you so much for that response. And how will you like to see yourself a year from now? Um, well, I have recently, um, so I, I worked for, you know, 18, 20 years in this healthcare field. And uh, during that, I had two children and um, I was working a lot and commuting to work. And um, I decided to make a shift where I could be with my kids full time. Um, and about three years ago. And then so just to, um, that's been amazing to be able to be there with them more full time. But then about six months ago, um, I formed my own LLC and I started to get back into uh, healthcare consulting and nonprofit advisory work. So I, I've been doing that and I'm doing a training in transformational coaching so that I could maybe coach a few people as part of my work. So in a year from now, I hope I have, uh, you know, even more clients uh, for my healthcare nonprofit advisory um, group and some coaching clients. So just continuing on the path of the work that I've just been starting or restarting. Thank you. And you know, as a 19-year-old girl that I am, I'm proud of women like you who are amazing and outstanding in what they do. You are the dream of many girls who want to be like you in the future. So thank you so much for being who you are. Uh -huh. and, <laughs> and the next question is, uh, what, would, what would you say to girls who want to follow a cover like you? Oh, that's sweet. Um, so I would say thank you for that sweet compliment. I think people like me are in, very inspired by people like you who are using your voice and are, um, you know, leaders in your own community, global leaders. You make us, you know, there's a lot wrong with the world, but then when we look at you, um, we know that the there's a lot going, going well. So that love is mutual. Um, you know, my advice, as I said earlier, is is really, uh, you know, I think that the benefit that that many people have, who, those who have access to the internet now, um, can watch all sorts of things to, to access a lot of different types of information, learn about different careers, learn about different opportunities, 
um, we didn't necessarily have that. I mean, we had books, of course, but we didn't have the internet when we were, um, some of us, when we were starting out our career. And so I would say just, you know, the, the I don't know if people have heard of TED Talks or, you know, Khan Academy or any type of learning tool or uh, tool that, uh, you know, focuses on interviewing people on different careers or different inspirational talks. Um, I think that's a good way to sort of see what's out there, you know, and and then so one, I would say, get the information, get just expose yourself, go to, you know, log into a conference or a webinar, even if you're not, you know, you have a little interest, just see what it's about. It won't be wasted time. And then two, I would say, where what is, where is your heart calling you? Uh, what what feels good for you? You know, there are a lot of different workers in the world. I'm the type of worker where I have to love my work in order to be good at it. So if you put me in a job where I didn't love what I was doing or didn't feel like I could have a contribution to make, I probably wouldn't be good at it. Um, there are other people that that don't need to love their job, but they're really good at it. Um, that's just not who I am. So I would say if you are the type of person like me where you need um, your heart to be in your work, then it's important to figure out what's important to you. So maybe even taking a notebook and writing down what what's going on in the world or what type of you know industries are you interested in? I would that's one question I would suggest people ask. Another one: What are your skills that you um, that come naturally to you that you want to integrate into your work? And what are some skills you want to grow that you think you could grow through a specific um, type of job? And um, and then you know I think the third is really talking directly to people. If there are certain organizations that you are interested in try to write them a note or call them and see if someone there would speak to you about what do they do during the during the day? Um, what's important to them? How do they find this job? So I think those are three, um, three ways. One, get the information. Two, um, really try to understand what, what speaks to you. And three, try to connect with organizations that, you know, seem to um, be connected to what you're interested in. Hey, thank you. I think that you have the combination of lo loving what you do and being good at is that. <laughs> so the next question is, how will have helped you to have a community like She's a Universe? This community that is being built by She is a Universe that has been built is, is extraordinary. And I think, um, I don't know how you all connect with each other or can even reach out to some, some people you don't, um, you know, you don't necessarily know, but try to understand what they're doing in their own community. I, I learned that some of you are business leaders and started your own business. Some of you, um, you know, have been training other other girls in leadership. So I think it's it's really using the tools that she as a universe has been um, given get, that is giving you um, to connect with each other. And, and in this, you know, virtual world now that we're in, it, hopefully it's easier to connect across countries and continents. Okay, so I will I will return to a small part of the beginning of the interview, and it's about your career. Would you like to share um, a little bit about how you got to this point in your career? Uh, sure. So I, you know, it really was, the, like I said, the first job was kind of luck. I just sent out my resume and... Uh, had an interview and they offered me a job that night, which was lovely. And I took it. 
Um, and I stayed there for a couple of years. And then um, I knew I, I, I wanted to, it's really just about thinking about, there's so many aspects to healthcare, right? There's health policy and advocacy, but then there's healthcare delivery. So I knew that I got a good amount of information in the policy world. So I wanted to understand how is healthcare delivered? What, a, what does healthcare in a hospital look like? And so I moved back to New York um, and really just started focusing on the city public health department and hospitals. And then I got a job at the Adolescent Health Center um, and I really, I learned a lot there. And then I was there for two and a half years and I wanted to, um, so in the US sometimes it's very hard to rise up in your career without a higher degree, so a graduate degree. So I decided I wanted to go to public health school. So I applied to public health school and then I ended up going and getting my master's in public health and I added on a uh, master's in business administration. So I got two degrees. Um, and then I came back to New York and I um, applied to a couple of different jobs and ended up choosing one in healthcare consulting where I was working with a lot of different hospitals around New York state. I learned a lot about how to serve clients, how to write well, how to put together a lot of different applications and service of the hospitals. And then I had had my first child at that job and it was getting, you know, I was working a lot and it was hard to have a young child and work a lot. So I moved to one of my clients, which was a hospital. I stayed there for five and a half years. I loved it. I was chief of staff to the CEO. I also ran the research department and um, worked with phenomenal people at each of these places. Um, I had my second child while I was there and then um, also was working a lot. So I needed a transition and then um, transition to the health and to health and hospitals for a few years and helped start um, the social determinants team and office, which is now even much more like grown so much since I've, since I've been there. And then, um, and then I shifted for personal reasons and been able to kind of carve out a part, uh, use my skills right now um, and carve out a part uh, of work where I can service clients and organizations um, based on all the experience I've had over the last 20 years, you know, in a, in a more uh, from home, you know, where I can work and also be with my kids full time. So I'm happy where I am. I'm really, you know, happy where I've landed and um, excited for more to come. Yeah. And the best is coming. <laughs> I hope you're right. I hope you're right. <laughs> well, the next question is about mental, mental health. And that is important. And we must take care of ourselves in that regard. And have you ever had a moment where, where you felt a little bit lost about the process and about what you are going to do in the future? Sometimes women are seen as weak because of their feelings. What that is exactly what makes them strong. Exactly. I love this question. Um, yeah, for sure. There, there are times where, um, you know, I, I was working and I was like, is my work, you know, strong enough? There were times where, particularly after I had my kids, the, the guilt you feel about leaving your kids and going to work or coming home late. Um, and then also the, the guilt you feel at work saying, oh, I have, I have two minds, you know, is my work strong enough because I'm also nursing a child or I'm also taking care of a kid or I feel like I'm missing out on some of my kids life. And so you really do feel like you're constantly as a parent, 
uh, evaluating yourself and your work and you're evaluating yourself as a parent. Um, but even before that, it was really trying to figure out, you know, uh, I never questioned the path I was on. I knew healthcare was where I wanted to be, but wanted to make sure I was putting out the the best work that I could. Um, and there were definitely times where, you know, I, I just wasn't seeing my kids enough and I was working so much that I was said, you know, how, how can I sustain this? This is not sustainable. Like I'm, I'm feeling bad when I'm at work. I'm feeling bad when I'm with my kids. I need to get to another place where, um, you know, I can, I can, this is, it's more manageable. And that's something that a lot of parents face, um, trying to balance it. And there's no, there's no perfect balance. It's just figuring out what you can do and, and what you can achieve. But absolutely. I had many, 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 many moments where, you know, I, I doubted some of my choices, um, and tried to figure out, was this the best, you know, for me, for me and my children and my family. Excellent. Thank you so much. And could you tell a story that really made you feel grateful about the path you decided to take on healthcare? Sure. So when I was at Health and Hospitals, um, you know, what what our team did was help meet the unmet social needs of our patients. So a lot of we know that it takes a lot outside the doctor's office and outside of the hospital to keep someone healthy. They need to be stably housed. They need regular access to food, clean water. They need affordable childcare if they're working. And so what my team did, what we did was uh, help our patients connect to these needs within the hospital. So we have some programs that help people get uh, subsidies for food. It's called food stamps or SNAP. Um, we put those enrollers in the hospital setting so they can help patients apply for that. They may not have known they were eligible to get that. So that helps them with monthly food stipends. Um, we had lawyers in all our hospitals providing free legal services. We also worked with, we had a lot of homeless patients. So patients that did not have a regular home, uh, they either lived in city shelters or on the streets and they came to us for healthcare. So I, I would say the moment, uh, one of the moments that was, you know, extraordinary for me was um, helping place, uh, you know, homeless patients in housing. Uh, there were uh, four or five people I did individually myself where I, I knew they were ready to leave the hospital or the nursing home they were in. And I was able to find an apartment where they um, they met the eligibility and could connect them. And they also got mental health services and other case management on site. So be able to be able to connect them and hear from their family what a difference that has made um, was such a privilege and you know brought me to tears for sure. And then a bigger project um, housing you know unhoused people in New York City was working with a number of organizations. So our hospital had a building they leased it over to someone who built about 53 beautiful apartments in Brooklyn. And then we worked with a number of hospitals to find um, some of their, you know, housing unstable and unhoused patients and put and connected them with this uh, supportive housing and um, just going for the, the the ribbon cutting, meeting some of the people that that lived in there and saying how much peace it brought them was was just to play a small part in that was was extraordinary. I'll, I'll never forget that for the rest of my life. 
Thank you. And uh, the healthcare is very important, as you said, and especially in times like COVID-19, uh, health should be a right for everyone and people like you make the path easier for those in underprivileged people who are often forgotten. So how was this pandemic period for you? Speaking in a personal context and a professional context. Yeah, I mean, I think personally, it was, of, we were of two minds, you know, like I said, you know, we, my family and I are luckiest of the lucky, we we were fine, you know, we we had housing, we had food, um, and for the, except for the first couple months, um, my kids were, you know, connected to school and actually going in person, so we were lucky, but it was really, really hard to uh, learn about people that got sick, either connected to us or just in this country. We had a lot of family in India that got sick and, you know, unfortunately lost some people. And um, that's just been really hard. Any any pandemic, any disaster, any epidemic is, is really, really hard to see people endure illness. Um, so that was really hard. And professionally, it's it's also really hard to connect with how many healthcare clinicians have been really, you know, stressed and burnt out. And the field is changing a bit from the clinical side because, or also from the programmatic side. I mean, there's been such a such a weight on the shoulders of people that work in hospitals and you know in offices, doctors' offices, um, providing any type of care. Uh, also, that you know people on the front lines, essential workers, um, people working at food pantries where the, the need and demand has gone up. It's uh, really just thinking about how can we, again, be of service. And, and so we just do what we can to support our local and regional food pantries and other initiatives that are helping um, people affected by COVID. So in our town, actually, uh, we had a lot of new immigrant families that lost jobs right at the beginning of the pandemic. And of course, lost jobs means lost income. So one thing that I helped with was um, starting up a an initiative where we uh, got some funding from a local foundation, got volunteers from a local um, local organization and used this an extra school gym uh, during the summer and then a synagogue during the fall to put together monthly bags of household goods like laundry detergent, toilet paper, toothpaste, things that, you know, cost money and that every household needs. So we put those together and then we distribute them through local community-based organizations uh, to families that have been impacted, had been impacted by, by COVID um, from the beginning. That, that program lasted maybe about 18 months. Um, and then um, the funding sunsetted, but we were able to deliver those bags, um, which was really incredible and really helped uh, families, uh, you know, try to use the money that they saved on that for, you know, other necessities like food and, you know, rent. So that was something where we where we were able to contribute something to our community uh, during COVID that that was very helpful. Thank you so much. You are an amazing person. And sorry for my accent. 
I learning I'm learning English right now. So. Oh, don't apologize, please. You're beautiful. You sound beautiful. I thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Take care. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A Woman's Place. This podcast is produced by teenage girls like me from the Girls Galaxy community and She's the Universe, a global movement for girls' empowerment.